many of us struggle, you and I struggle in following God's revealed word is because there's a part of us that doesn't trust the promises of God. God says it and we believe it, but we don't quite believe it. And because God is unchanging, it says that God never changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And by extension, the spirit of God doesn't change because he's God. That when God makes a promise, God keeps his promise for us and in us. Many people, through leadership and dedication, have done great things for humanity, but none can compare to Jesus. As we'll hear today, Pastor Daniel teaches why Jesus is greater than all other teachers. No other has the whole world, all of the fulfillment of God's promises in his hand, only one. The church in Galatia was gravitating toward teachers who were dynamic, or teachers with a message they were comfortable with, but only one is truth. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Jesus is Greater Than Other Teachers. Jesus is real. Part of my faith journey happened when I was in college. I had a, a professor of developmental psychology. I can't remember his name. I've tried. I can't remember it at all. There was something different about him. It was one of those things where... What I didn't know at the time, but I realize now, is that he was a Christian. I wouldn't have ever known that that was a distinction, that someone would act differently at that point in my life. But there's something unique about him. He was the kind of guy that when you had an exam, you would come on in and he'd be sitting on his desk with a, a guitar. And he would say, I bet you guys are all stressed out about your exams right now. And everyone would be like, yeah. And he's like, so I'm going to sing you a song. And he's like, look, the reason I'm going to do this is I can't sing to save my life. But me singing a bad song, I think, is going to make you all feel better about what you're going through right now. And, uh, and he'd sing, and he was horrible. He'd sing Beatles songs to us. And listen, you know, John and Paul, they could sing. Even Ringo could sing a little bit. But this guy couldn't sing to save his life. But there was something special about him. And so, so I'm in college at the time, and I was way out there. And I know some of you are thinking, Fusco, you're still pretty way out there, buddy. But I was farther out there. And um, I learned really quickly when I was in college, I don't I'm, don't try this at home, but um, if you uh, sleep through an exam or if you uh, just choose not to go to an exam or if you just ditch an exam, uh, which I did a fair amount of when I was in college, you could just go to the teacher's office hours and if you say, oh, listen, I'm so sorry I missed the exam, can I have a makeup? As long as you do a pretty good job of groveling, they'd let you retake the exam. And so, um, and so that was kind of my way. Now, I don't think I slept through this exam because the class was at like two in the afternoon. But I may have, I don't remember. But I remember going to this teacher's office hours and saying, hey, um, so, yeah, I slept through the exam, and, you know, can I, please can I retake it? And unlike most professors, this professor started really asking me some very pointed questions about my life. And he was asking, so, like, so what do you do for fun? Oh, well, I'm a musician. Well, you know, I like to read. Well, what have you been reading? And at the time, I was like, well, I've been reading a lot of Thoreau, and I've been... Uh, the American uh, writer and philosopher, and he's like, I've, I've been reading a lot of Zen Buddhism, and he's like, oh, so you're, you're a seeker. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I am. And he's like, what else have you read? And I told him some other books that I had read, and he said, so what about Jesus? Do you think Jesus is a spiritual teacher? 
And I'll be like, yeah, sure, yeah. And you know, like some people hold him to be. Do you think the Bible is a spiritual book? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people hold it to be. And he's like, well, have you ever read it? And I was like, uh, no, 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 I haven't. But I grew up, you know, kind of pretty nominally Catholic, so I kind of heard about Jesus a little bit. And he said, well, you can't really be a seeker unless you seek in the direction of a great spiritual teacher, can you? When you're in New Jersey, you're used to people talking to you that way. You know what I mean? They kind of give you like the little, the little jab for fun. But what was amazing is, and then we went on, he let me retake the exam. And, but I still remember that office hour conversation out of all of the exams that I tried to talk my way back into taking that I missed. I still remember that one today because he had me cornered on the fact that Jesus was a great teacher and everybody knows it. He had me, I was cornered there. It was true, I was a seeker, but I really wasn't a seeker because I wasn't really open to the truth. And I think for many people, especially in 21st century America where we find ourselves, the fact that Jesus is a great spiritual teacher, everybody assumes it to be the case, but it's also the reason that many people don't actually engage with Jesus' teaching at all. By saying, oh, he's a teacher, you can keep Jesus at an arm's length. And I'm here to tell you today, that Jesus is greater than every teacher. Jesus is greater than other teachers. See, any teacher who is good is actually teaching whatever the truth that they have, they're actually teaching the truths of Jesus because whatever truth there is, all truth is God's truth. So if a scientist gives you a good piece of information, it's not science, he's just teaching God's truth. But it's filtered through a discipline or a medium of science. And so Jesus is greater than other teachers. Now, I share this story with you because it's part of my faith journey, but also because what happens also for many of us is that for some of you right now, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you know Jesus is a spiritual teacher. You know the Bible is a spiritual book, but you say that he's a teacher to keep him at an arm's length. But then also for some of us, we put our faith and trust in Jesus, and we end up ushered into the world of Christianity and then what happens is, is very quickly we get ushered into uh, biblical teachers or spiritual teachers who we begin to value more than we value the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. This happened to me. When I got saved, I spent the first about year and a half just reading my Bible, right? So just me and Jesus in a room. And it was great. I, was, I read the Bible cover to cover many times, spent a lot of time reading the New Testament. And then I started going to church, and very quickly when I got to church, I got hip to Bible commentators. You know, this person and this person and this book and that book, and I would read all of them. But what ends up happening within the church, within the people of God, is that oftentimes we get really interested in a teacher. And their interpretations and their teaching becomes actually more important than the teachings of Jesus. We'd rather listen to their podcasts more than we'd want to read the Gospels. And what happens is, is then we get diverted a little bit because no matter how good a teacher is, every teacher's got some hobby horses. Things that they think this is really what it's all about. And you find once you get saved into the family of God that the church divides over all these points. Oh, I'm a Calvinist and I'm a this thing and I'm a this thing and I have this thing and oh yeah, you don't really have this thing and it's all... And really, that's what's going on in Paul's letter to the Galatians, that reality. This is a church, but they've allowed other teachers to come in to divide them from just Jesus. 
that the teachings of Jesus aren't good enough anymore. They needed another set of teachings and someone's interpretation. And I'm sure for a lot of us, we're right there right now. I'm saying this, you're like, yeah, that's kind of me. I fell in love with the Bible, but then I started listening to this teacher. Now, that person's interpretation is the only one I can really follow because they really know what's going on. That's what's going on in the churches in Galatia. They've gotten sidetracked. They believed in Jesus, but they got caught up in another style of teaching with a specific bent that actually separated them from the simplest teachings of the gospel. So I want you to turn there with me. We're in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're picking up in verse 15. Now listen, I want you to bring your own Bible to church. There's a reason why. In a lot of ways, your Bible, it's like your, it's your sword. It's like, if, it's like anything. It's like if there's something, your car, right? Most of us drive pretty much the same car every day. And you know where everything is, right? You know how to roll the windows down. God forbid you need to put on the emergency flashers and you know where they are and it's all easy because you know where everything is. How many times have you ever been in a car you don't know and you need to put on the emergency flashers and it takes you like five hours to find it? Yeah. That I was traveling one time, I was in a parking lot, I was going to a church that I was going to preach at, and, and somehow the emergency flashers got on, and it took me 10 minutes to figure out how to figure, to take them off. I didn't know where anything was in that car. So I want you to bring your own Bible to church, because your Bible, is, it's like you want to know where everything is in your Bible. Find Galatians chapter 3. I want you to read along. I'm not just making this stuff up out of thin air, like, oh yeah, it's this. No, it's like, we're just going through Paul's letter to the Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Paul's letter that's kind of in the middle of the New Testament. He's got his larger letters, Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then his shorter letters, and Galatians is the first one. It's in between 2nd Corinthians and the book of Ephesians. This, I've told you that, this section in, the, in Paul's letter to Galatians, chapters 3 and 4, it's a theological section, which means there's a lot of deep stuff in here. And in some ways, today's text is the most challenging text out of all these this area here. There's going to be stuff in here that is really kind of complicated and complex. And as I've said before, I'm going to be your tour guide bringing you through this. And I really want this to be something that you can walk away and be like, oh, okay, that's why that's there. Now, I also got to be honest with you. There's a section in here I'm going to tell you that I do not know what it actually means. And I hope you can give me grace in that. One of the hardest things for a teacher is we want to be able to give certainty when God's word is certain but there's some stuff in here. I can give you 20 different interpretations of these verses. None of them actually makes any sense to me to be able to say, this is what it means. And so if you're looking for absolute certainty of interpretation today, you're going to go home wanting. But really, there's, some, there's a section here. I'm like, I don't really know exactly what he's trying to say there. And so I'm going to just let you know that. I hope that's okay. And if it's not, sorry. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read it to the end of the chapter so you can hear this whole section. It says, brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, 
till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through the angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there could have been a law that which would have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's kind of thick, isn't it? Aren't you guys happy you're not me right now? Amen. Let me explain it to you. Notice, back in verse 15, he begins with the word brethren. It's important. Brothers and sisters. See, there's a change of tone. Remember earlier in Galatians chapter 3, he's like, he calls them foolish Galatians. Are you so foolish? See, Paul is confronting their error, and now he's reminding them of the fact that they're family. And he is pastoring them now. And that's, unfortunately, two roles of the pastoral ministry. Sometimes it's to confront error, and other times it's to remind everybody that we're family and to work out the family issues. See, for the churches in Galatia, Paul really cared about them. He planted, started those churches, and he started it on the gospel. But those churches were now getting pulled away into not the finished work of Jesus, but the finished work of Jesus plus the works of the law, legalism. And so Paul has been arguing with them about how did this all happen? Did it happen by your works or did it happen by your faith in Jesus? The miracles that God's doing, is he doing it by your faith or by works of law? And if you recall last week, he brought up Abraham and he said, listen, you guys are trying to become Jewish so that you can be Christian. Let's go back to Abraham who was the father of Judaism. Right? And he's running this exact same argument still. You notice he's talking about Abraham and the promises of Abraham. By the end, he said, and you are of the seed of Abraham. So we're still running on the same track. But now what he's saying, in effect, is this. I'm going to give you the principle, and I'm going to unpack it for you. The principle for you and I and for the churches in Galatia is that God's promises do not change. God's promises do not change. And this is the thrust of Paul's argument. He's going to say, in effect, God made promises to Abraham that Abraham received by faith. And even though the law has come, the law does not change the promises of God. Now, why is this important? Because the reason that many of us struggle, you and I struggle in following God's revealed word is because there's a part of us that doesn't trust the promises of God. God says it. And we believe it, but we don't quite believe it. 
And because God is unchanging, it says that God never changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And by extension, the Spirit of God doesn't change because He's God. That when God makes a promise, God keeps His promise for us and in us. But isn't that how the enemy and our own doubts and our own flesh play into our walks with Jesus? God makes a promise, but maybe it won't work out. I mean, isn't that what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? God created them. Male and female, he created them. He placed them in paradise. And said, God said, look, you can eat of every tree. And he gave them. So he, he begins, he creates them. He gives them liberty. And then he makes one restriction. You just can't eat of that tree. Because if you eat of that tree, you'll surely die. Now, you have to realize, it wasn't like there was only one fruit tree in the garden. They were literally in a Harry and David pear orchard. Everywhere was fruit trees. There's just one tree, just not that one. Because if you eat of it, death will come to you. And sure enough, the serpent, when he comes, he says, oh, oh, did God say you're not allowed to eat of that one tree? You know why God didn't do it? Because God's a big meanie. God knows if you eat it, you'll be like God. And God doesn't want to have any competition for you because you are so special. And Eve looked at the tree. It was good for fruit, desirable to make one wise. And she took it. Adam took it as well, both culpable. The serpent's deception was that God's promises were not good enough, that God was holding out the really good stuff because God's just a big meanie. But the fact is, my friends, God's promises did not change, and God isn't a big meanie. But for many of us, we struggle because God has revealed truth, revealed things to us, and we don't really want to follow it. We're like, no, no, no. And so Paul is trying to draw them back, saying, listen, God's promise to Abraham, it was a promise, and nothing can annul it or add to it. Because look at what he says. Brethren, verse 15, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Quite simply saying, look, God made a promise to Abraham, and that promise is permanent. If human will or agreement cannot add to or annul. He's saying, look, God's promise to Abraham stands firm. It's permanent. Nothing can add to it or discredit it because God's promises stand firm. And then look what he says next in verse 16. He says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as to many, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. Now, that sounds a little convoluted, doesn't it? And if you read it in the English, you realize that the word seed can either mean a singular seed or many seeds, right? Like if you had a big bag of grass, you don't say, hey, there's my grass seeds. What do you say? There's my grass seed. Now, in the English, it sounds clunky because you know that seed can be either singular or plural. But Paul is making a distinction that God's promise to Abraham, it was to his descendants, but specifically, all of God's promises to Abraham has its fulfillment in one specific descendant, who is who? Jesus. So when God told Abraham, I will bless you, and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed, he's not talking about the children of Israel Totally, he's talking about one specific representative of the children of Israel, who is Jesus of Nazareth, God's appointed Messiah. And in Jesus, all the hopes and dreams, not only of Israel, but of the world exist. So he's saying all of God's promises to Abraham have its fulfillment in Jesus alone. 
Now, my friends, this is why Jesus is greater than other teachers. I'm grateful for the great men and women who have walked through this world to help right things that are wrong, to be extreme in making sure that things change. And we're grateful for it. We celebrate many of them. We don't know a lot of them. People who went out on a limb to make this world a better place. And as grateful as we are for them and we celebrate how God has used them, we realize that for not one of them can we say that all the hopes and dreams of all of humanity is bound up in that one life. That's only Jesus. And that's what Paul is getting at. This is why Jesus is so important. Because all of your deepest hopes and dreams find its fulfillment in Jesus. It's not in a great uh, person who does social justice or changes the world. And a lot of people have done amazing things. You look at someone like Gandhi. Even though I didn't agree with Gandhi's spiritual beliefs, you can't deny that Gandhi did some amazing things for his people. Can't deny it. If you go to India and I've traveled there, Gandhi's on the money. He's like there, George Washington. But all the hopes and dreams of the Indian people are not in Gandhi. See, Paul is focusing them in on Jesus. So we're grateful for teachers, but Jesus is greater still. Jesus is greater still. So he's saying, look, all of God's promises to Abraham, it has its fulfillment in Jesus himself. Not every seed, but one seed specifically. Now, look at what it says next, verse 17. And this I say, that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. Now, the 430 years, that's a quotation from Exodus chapter 12, verses 40 and 41. He's saying, listen, because God's promises to Abraham are permanent, right? And what he's saying is that because Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises, the law, which is what the Galatians were journeying towards, it was given 430 years later, it can't annul the covenant that was confirmed by God in Jesus. That's what it says, that it should make the promise of no effect. He's saying, look, the law came later, and the law cannot annul or make God's promises of no effect. Powerful, isn't it? He's saying, look, the law came, but it was later, and it cannot change one little piece of God's promise. Now, why do I think this is important? Because for so many of you, and many people today are saying, man, this whole following Jesus thing, I mean, what can a guy who died 2,000 years ago, what can he really do for me today? As if the passing of time and the changing of culture really changes human nature. See, the reason Jesus exists so strongly and profoundly in every culture, no matter where that culture is, is because human nature is always the same, although language and cultural values may change. Because Jesus is aiming at fixing what is broken in human nature and in God's creation and in every generation, no matter if it was 2,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 500 years ago, or a generation ago, the needs of human nature and humanity are still the same. The needs of God's broken creation is still the same, and Jesus fulfills it. Jesus is... Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. 
we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 